Hello, everyone. Welcome to the November edition of uh, Just News In's Residential Expert Discussion. Um, I'm here with Mark Hayward again, um, former CEO of uh, Property Mark and uh, Just Move In advisor. How are you doing, Mark? Um, well, I think um, at least I'm keeping warm and it's not raining. So, Of course, there have been a few storms in, in, in government as well, hasn't there? I mean, a lot has changed again since we spoke a, a month ago and we now have um, a new prime minister. We do indeed, yeah. and uh, we obviously have had a, it's not really a reshuffle, isn't it? It's a removal of certain ministers uh, and uh, new ones and indeed old ones coming back because we have uh, Michael Gove back as Secretary of State for the Department of Leveling Up and Housing and Communities, um, but very much the architect um, of the um, PRS white paper soon we hope to move into legislation yes and you probably suspect that i'm going to ask you about that in, a, in just a few minutes time yeah but um before we we talk about mr gove um let's quickly talk about jeremy hunt because we have an important autumn statement coming up um on the 17th of, uh, of november i think it is um what are you anticipating from that or what would you like to see um for the housing sector what I'm anticipating and what I would like to see are probably two different things. Um, I think the um, the horizon for this has been painted very, very black. Um, I don't think anybody is expecting uh, particular good news. Um, we don't know whether there's going to be any um, changes into taxation, into benefits, um, but we are, I think, entering uh, an era of austerity. Um, things, of course, can change. Um, what I would have liked to have seen is um, help for tenants, particularly those that are uh, going to be uh, in difficulties in terms of heating their own homes. We know we've had some gestures, um, some sort of support. Um, it would be nice to see that there is an encouragement um, for first-time buyers who were encouraged when the stamp duty was changed, but because the interest rates now um, have moved so far uh, upwards, um, they are really not in a position um, to buy. And I think you know, talking about first-time buyers, you know, if you are buying with, let's say, a 10 or 15% deposit and property prices do drop as a number of talking heads, and we might come back to that, are predicting, then they're immediately going to be into ne a negative equity. So are they going to be encouraged to buy or are they just being encouraged to sit on the fence, continuing to put further pressure on the private rented sector? So I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, it's a little bit gloomy. Um, I mean, <laughs> from a political point of view, it's probably good to set and um, expectation levels low. Um, I, I guess the thing that's going to be tough is that we're going to have a period of um, austerity and with tax rises on top, um, whereas normally you wouldn't expect necessarily the two things together. Um, yeah, but I mean, this is probably a good time to introduce um, Michael Gove into, into the discussion. Um, Michael Gove is a, a bit of a, a Marmite personality, let's say, but he does have a, a reputation in certain circles for getting things done, which is obviously a good thing. Um, do you think his appointment or, or reappointment as he's returning um, will be well received in the sector? Um, I think generally so, uh, for the reasons that you've just said. 
Uh, also, he knows the sector. Um, he's been involved with it before. So it's not a standing start. You know, it's slightly plug and play. He, he can get on with it. And I think the renters reform um, legislation would be a really good opportunity for him to get something done and get something done quickly. Um, whether there is, you know, the parliamentary time um, in the coming uh, parliament to do that, we don't know. Um, we've had various statements from various housing ministers underneath the Secretary of State to say, yes, it's still on the agenda, but it will happen in due course. Uh, we don't really know what in due course means. Um, but I think hopefully we are going to enter a period of relative political stability, which will allow those um, charged uh, with getting it done to do it, and also allow the civil servants to actually get on with it. Because they, every time a minister changes, the briefing to the civil servants uh, a will be slow coming out because they have to establish the minister's priority uh, and B, trying to accommodate uh, what will be a long list um, because as soon as you get appointed to a Secretary of State, you will receive letters from every organisation and action group saying you should put our uh, issues and problems at the top of the list. So mm. I, I'm not expecting to see much, probably uh, much before Christmas in terms of direction of travel but I am encouraged. Yeah, I mean, politically, I imagine the, the Conservatives feel that they need to get the um, Renters Reform Bill over the line, don't they? I mean, they've been talking about it. I mean, they were talking about it with um, when Theresa May was, was Prime Minister back in uh, well, the previous decade now, 2019. Um, and we've talked before, haven't we, about how the, the political winds of change and how there does very much seem to be a narrative now that tenants don't have enough powers um, and it's going to be politi politically expedient for the for the Tories to do something for tenants, um, especially as they're behind in the polls. So perhaps there is a momentum now building whereby they, they have to get on with this because it's not going to look very good at the next election? We hope so. We hope so. Um, so. Mm. Just have to wait and see what signs are given, what indications are given. Um, but th certainly I think... The issue over Section 21, which was off the on the cards and then off the cards and back on the cards now, um, I think um, reading between the lines and looking at what Michael Gove has previously said, um, that will be dealt with um, as they've indicated. So it's not going to fall off the agenda, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. It was good to see Michael Gove um, doing the media rounds at the weekend. I saw him on um, was it the week before now actually. Um, he was on Sophie Ridge's show on, on Sky and then with Laura Kunzberg on the BBC. And he was kind of reaffirming his desire to, um, well, to build more houses, which we'll come on, on to now. But he's also mentioning the decent home standard. Um, we haven't really talked about the decent home standard before. Um, I mean, what do you expect to see from, from that? It's, it's very difficult because it has to apply both to the private rented sector uh, and to social housing as well. Um, I think we're going to see it first in in social housing. Um, you know, the decent home stand is very. Do how 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 is it going to be enforced? Yeah. Um, when the government doesn't know where all the landlords are, and that comes back to there should be a register of landlords and then a redress system for landlords and tenants. Um, 
we've already got the EPC um, requirements uh, within two years now um, to be minimised at C. So that's that's uh, got to be put in place. So I think whilst you can talk about it, actually to get it done um, is much more difficult and to, and to monitor it and to actually demonstrate that it's working um, when in fact the majority of housing is in the hands of private landlords who with increasing interest rates may have an affordability issue in any event. Mm. So it's, it's, it's going to take time, basically. It's not, you can't just say that these are the new standards and then get everyone to adhere to them straight away, yeah. of course. Um, I mean, a, a, of more significance perhaps broadly for the property sector is that Michael Gove has recommitted the government to reaching this 300,000 um, new properties every year to be built, which is something that this trust described as Stalinistic or Stalinist, rather, um, which seemed like a, a curious word to use in describing the target. Uh, but Michael Gove now is, is recommitted to that target, although he does admit that it's going to be very hard. Mm. Um, uh, I think um, he, he's right in putting a target there, because if you don't have a target, um, how do you know how far you are going to achieve it? Um, a series of housing ministers and governments have always adhered to this 300,000. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Um, it hasn't yet been reached. Um, the housing, the construction of houses, as we know, is in the hands predominantly in house builders in the private sector. Um, so they are going to need, um, firstly, an easier route to getting planning. Because it takes it takes in fact years probably um, for them to acquire a site or acquire an option on a site and take it through the planning process, uh, and that's linked with infrastructure section one hundred six agreements uh, and a lot of local involvement or local angst. And again, uh, are they going to bull? Are they going to run ragging bulldoze um, local feelings uh, and pursue targets if you build? bulldozing local feelings, um, whether they're, you know, nimbies or bananas, um, that's going to have an impact on the government that's going to the polls within two years. So, yes, great to have a target. How they achieve it from a standing start, I don't know, because you need huge resources in terms of people. Um, the, we know there's already an issue with materials, uh, availability and particular cost. Um, house builders are there to make a profit. They are not there to produce a volume of houses that satisfies the government, um, but may result in house pricing being lowered if the element of supply increases quite rapidly. Which is something, of course, that developers don't want. They don't want to flood the, the market with new houses and, and, and reduce the price of these things. Um, I, I guess... To me, what, what, what's frustrating is you use the expression there, how the government are going to reach this target from a standing start, but it shouldn't really be a standing start. I mean, it's been evident for some time, hasn't it, that the shortage of houses is probably the big issue in the sector at the moment. It's kind of frustrating that not more has been done up to this point. No, I mean, we've been talking about shortage um, almost since uh, Maggie Thatcher introduced the right to buy. Um, which took a whole swathe of property um, out of the rental sector because it was owned by uh, local authorities. And uh, 
it's it's just it's 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 very difficult to actually see how you can achieve it unless you give some huge tax breaks, for instance, to developers, um, or make. And they've already talked about you know enterprise zones. Um, we already have garden towns and garden cities, um, but you know to to make property affordable, you you have to build in areas that possibly aren't popular. Therefore. You know, are they going to satisfy the need if there isn't that, you know, latent demand um, out there for the product? Um, unless, of course, they can encourage people on the build to rent sector massively, massively. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, what, what would you do, Mark? If I, I mean, this is a this is probably the toughest question I've ever asked you. But if if Michael Gove was to suddenly phone you up and say, would you like to swap places? Um, what do you think you'd be trying to do? It wasn't the most difficult question. When you asked for my PIN number, I found that quite... <laughs> an answer. Uh, I think uh, there's got to be much more focus on where and why people and where they live. Um, in what they're living um <clears throat> there's probably um an initiative to uh encourage last time sellers and last time buyers to actually do something rather than live in you know how fully occupied are the majority of homes i would suspect um a very high proportion have low occupation probably just couples particularly when you look at those over 55 over 60 um children have left doing their own thing um but people are not moving into um not retirement homes has an awful stigma um because you immediately think of a small flat we haven't got it right if you go to the states um and some of the european countries they've made huge efforts to create quality accommodation for those in later life and again that has connotation about later life but those that don't need a five-bedroom house but they can f buy something that's smaller in terms of bedrooms still offers quality in a community or whatever so i would i, I would look at that um if you're going to create three hundred thousand houses you've got to have someone to buy them so we've got at the moment um, historically very high interest rates um, and that is I think shocking for for the younger generation who've never experienced rates anything like this some of us who are more mature as I say have have um, seen high rates of interest um, and on that rates of interest we are now seeing people talk about interest rate peaking, even coming down. Um, so there is a little bit of light uh, uh, on the horizon. Um, so it's just getting used to that. So what would I do? I'm really not sure what you can do um, when there are so many factors in play in terms of housing, in terms of ownership of land, uh, and in terms of construction. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite tricky, isn't it? I do not envy um, policymakers in, in this day and age. I guess if it was simple, they'd, they'd have sorted out the problems by now. Um, I mean, another problem that I wanted to move on to now are the, are the problems facing um, private landlords. 
um, at the moment. We've talked before, haven't we, about how this narrative that seems common in the media at the moment, that um, they're somehow the bad guys, um, which, which has always seemed quite a curious stance to take in the middle of a housing crisis because we need landlords. Um, but I mean, what it seems very difficult. I mean, a standout statistic for me from, from reading the papers recently is a statistic in the Telegraph that shows that one in six homes for sale at the moment is a former rental property, yeah. which suggests that landlords are the number of private landlords is decreasing and they're looking for look, looking for a way out. Yeah, absolutely, James. And I think it, when you look down that um, set of statistics further, you'll see that only a third of those properties um, that were buy to let and being sold are, are being bought by other landlords. Uh, first time buyers doing well at 47%, but that's um, the disturbing fact, whereas before they would have been snapped up um, mm. by buy to let uh, landlords, whether they are small landlords or whether they're larger landlords. So I think there is um, a concern for them that not only are interest rates going to rise, so they, to buy them they'd have to take out new finance, a lot of them are on fixed rates, a lot of which expire within 12 months. Um, and uh, increasingly, as you said, the landlord is being seen um, as a villain, where mm -hmm. in fact a tiny, tiny proportion um, yeah. are, are doing it badly. Um, the majority are not because they see, you know, if you have a good tenant, you have a good property, it's well maintained. Um, you don't want to put the rate rent up too high because you want that good tenant uh, to stay. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the taxation issues, which have been cumulative over the last few years, stamp duty. Um, there's not a lot out there to actually encourage someone to be a landlord. Yeah, which is obviously a, a massive problem because... You know, there's a chronic shortage of, of of property available properties to rent at the moment. So that, that that's another problem that that we need to solve somehow. Absolutely, and and again, that's um, is that in the government's hands? Probably to a certain extent, yes. Is it an education piece um, to inform people that yeah, you can you know if you are a landlord, it's not going to be punitive. At the moment, it is pretty punitive. Um, yeah. And you're not in the short term. You're probably not going to see if you're buying now any great um, house price inflation. Uh, you're probably going to better rent, um, so your return is probably quite good. Um, but you're, in, you know, as you're saying, you're going to be paying more for the money, um, so you need that increased interest rate to make it even attractive to you as a yield. And I think there is a sort of dash for cash at the moment in terms of investment. Uh, with people, uh, as I said, very wary about whether it's the stock market or whether it's the property market. Mm. Uh, so it's better to have it you know, under your mattress or in the bank uh, than it is out there that's something speculative. And, we all, and, the, and the other thing is, of course, that buying a property takes time. We can't just go out and buy a property. It's not easy. Uh, it's not something anybody looks forward to. It's a bit like the dentist, you know, I really don't want to go there. Um, well, I don't, um, but others might. Um, so if we can look at reforming the house buying and selling process to make it much easier, much quicker, um, whether there's some incentives, whether they're long-term or short-term, um, to people to buy, um, 
that needs to be looked at. But as you know, we saw the initiative on stamp duty, which was almost wiped out and stroke with interest rates going up fourfold. Right. I'm wondering if the government can be a little bit more careful about the language that they use as well sometimes. Um, when Michael Gove was doing the media rounds, I referred to um, earlier in our, in our conversation, he described some landlords as nefarious chances. He definitely used the word chances. And, and that's quite dangerous language to use because it, it really does. You know, no one wants to be labelled a chancer. And uh, if they're worried that if they <laughs> become a landlord, this is how they're going to be seen socially. It's um, it's quite awkward. But I know in the past of speaking to uh, senior um, civil servants in the um, housing sector, uh, that the Secretary of State and Minister's post bag is full of complaints. Uh, they don't. No one writes to say, just like to let you know, Mr. Gove, I've got a fantastic landlord. He's doing everything right. No. Um, so they only they only hear and see the bad element. Um, but when you look at the size of the rental sector, it's tiny, it's tiny, it's tiny. But I suppose what we should be doing is looking at taking housing out of politics. Because it shouldn't be political because it's about homes uh, and people's lives. Yeah. It shouldn't be, a, uh, you know, a ping pong ball to be hit backwards and forwards by one government and another. Um, whether you need... A national, perhaps we do. We need, perhaps we need a national building company that is owned by the state, uh, funded uh, by whoever that builds these houses, whether they're for the rented sector uh, or whether it's for sale uh, on land. A lot of the land was already owned by government, um, and perhaps we take it out of the, the private sector and have something that's more nationally focused. Yeah, I quite like that idea of having um, taking it out of politics. I mean, obviously, very difficult to do, but in theory, there's nothing stopping them from having a, a cross-party committee that comes together and, and thrashes out these kind of issues. Um, there, there were suggestions during the, the Brexit um, crisis that there could be some sort of cross-party committee that could implement Brexit. Maybe housing is, is a better subject area to to tackle. I don't know. Um, well, it needs tackling and somebody's got to come up uh, and pull everybody together to make sure that it is tackled and make sure yeah. that we do more houses out there for buying or selling mm. or renting. Well, one positive I can I can reveal today through my digging is that Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, obviously, um, is a landlord himself. He owns a, a property in Pimlico, a, a property um, in Surrey somewhere, but he also owns seven buy-to-let properties in Southampton. In Ocean Village, which is very nice, um, so maybe he'll have landlords' um, interests at heart. Um, we'll we'll have to wait and see. We will indeed, but having um, given evidence to a number of select committees, um, when the MPs involved have to declare any interest they have, um, it's unusual to find an MP that doesn't have an investment property or buy to let. And some of them have a number, and you know, if we go back a few years to the former Chancellor, Philip Hammond. He actually had a building company, uh, building housing. Uh, I think it was uh, uh, elderly, but it wasn't social. It was a private enterprise. So they've all got property um, property assets uh, and property interests. Mm. Uh, that's probably the wrong reason why they should be doing something. Yeah, possibly. Let, let's not go there, maybe. <laughs> 
Um, Thinks of politicians. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's. It, I'd love to go there and, and talk more about this, but perhaps we should, um, you know, we're up against the clock a little bit and we should move on to the, to the next thing, which is that obviously this, this weekend we have the start of um, COP27. Climate is back on everyone's agenda, not that it should have ever left um, the agenda. Um, we have the um, controversy with with will Rishi Sunak go or not. I think he made the right decision in going, um, although it's a shame that he, it he took some time to to reach that decision. But I'm just wondering, um, you know, from from a property sector perspective, what you think we might see from COP. And I just wanted to briefly discuss the challenges facing the sector in reaching net zero. Because again, this is another tricky one. It is, it is a tricky one. Um, if it's uh, if we look at the housing sector and we're looking at owner-occupiers um, to bring their property up to a highly energy-efficient um, structure will take a lot of money. Um, all right, we're now we're currently focused on the costs of energy, so I think that is in, in a is a, in a bizarre way will help people um, react positively to any proposals on uh, energy efficient net zero on those sorts of things like that. But again, it's going to take time. Um, we've got uh, we've got to make a start, and obviously with the current international conference going on. Uh, there is huge focus on it. It's whether those um, decisions, if they are decisions rather than just guides, um, are adopted in in a wholesale manner when we're in a difficult um, economic state. Um, so, yes, great. Uh, let's see whether or not it resonates uh, and moves forward in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, we've got particular challenges haven't we in the UK and that compared to a lot of Europe our housing stock is is very old um and I guess retrofitting these properties to make to improve their EPCs is going to be very expensive particularly for for landlords um, as we were saying um but then again if you demolish these buildings and start again as it were and build new homes and that has a carbon footprint too so how do you kind of you know, it's very difficult to know what to do. It, you know, what is the solution? What is the better route? Well, you can new homes. You can get there quite quickly, um, even though there's a cost. And um, well, a house builder, you know, they're already having to meet some pretty stringent um, levels of, of efficiency. Um, mm. Owner occupiers, are they? You know, or do they just turn the thermostat down? You talked about, you know, the age of property uh, in this country. Um, well, currently a property's got to last about three hundred years because on the way that we're on the level that we're replacing property, uh, it's going to take a long, long time. Um, you talked about the efficiency of older homes. There are homes out there that will just be physically impossible. Yeah, to come up to um, that not only carbon zero but that uh, element of energy efficiency so it's going to be different um from other areas you go to the states the house is only going to last for 15 years 20 years then they build those it and build another one but over here um they don't so again yeah. it needs to be it needs to have 
something needs to happen or be made to happen uh, and be measured on it and to be targeted and to actually achieve it and that's the difficulties a lot of rhetoric out there there's a lot of talk but is there a lot yeah. of action yeah, maybe me, people need to be thinking about offsetting so if they live in a in a property that does have a higher carbon footprint they look at ways to offset their their contribution to their, their in carbon um i don't think anyone's suggesting having wind turbines in the back gardens but we might end up with more solar panels on roofs and and things like that which are becoming more more acceptable i think um yeah it'll be interesting to see if anything comes out of cop that's specifically related to to housing i i certainly hope so and i guess we'll watch the space absolutely we'll see what absolutely. comes out we'll see what comes out yeah so i think that just about rounds it rounds things off for, for this month um it'll be the december edition december the last one of the year um, we'll have a little Christmas edition then um, in, in a month's time. <laughs> and hopefully we have, because today's been quite downbeat, actually, hasn't it? Normally we're quite optimistic and bullish, but I think today we've been slightly downbeat. I think, no, James, I think we've been realistic. realistic. Um, I don't think there's a need to be huge. Pe pessimism is easy. It's contagious, isn't it, pessimism? Um, and we just have to look at the headlines and the papers. There's nothing good. There's nothing good about it. Um, nothing good in the media ever. <laughs> no, I think we're we're into that, um, you know, shock horror Daily Mail headline or the Sun headline, um, and it's very easy to talk if we're talking about the market to talk it down. Um, mm. Lots of good things happening, um, but we find it difficult to focus on them. Well, let's bring everyone some Christmas joy next month. Lovely. I look forward to your Christmas outfit then, James. Oh, I'll, I'll have a hat. You just watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for your time, Mark. And, and, and thanks to everyone for watching as well. See you next month. Bye.